hot dog. All right, so we're staying here like we were last week, being James 4, so go ahead and get there in your word. If you are joining us this morning via the one camera, <laughs> instead of three like normal, uh, it may look a little different if you're out there in the interwebs. Uh, that is because we had a little bit of lightning damage. We found that out this morning, and because Tom May is always an hour and a half early to wherever he goes, he had time to run home and grab his mobile equipment, so he is streaming through a mobile camera today for you. So if you were complaining about the audio earlier, stop it, because you could have had nothing. <laughs> so we're here this uh, today, if the Lord wills. Uh, we talked about that last week. If you're a note taker, that QR code or fbcdan.com slash notes will give you something to follow along with on your electronic device with my notes. You can email those to yourself, excuse me, when you get there. So last week we looked at wanting to be in the Lord's will. We're still there today, different angle, different part of the text that we looked at last week, uh, and that's where we're headed today. And without further ado, let's read through these verses and dig into them. Starting in verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded people. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Your laughter must change to mourning and your joy to sorrow. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Don't criticize one another, brothers. He who criticizes a brother or judges his brother criticizes the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you're like a... For you are like smoke that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Father God, I come to you today and I ask you to speak to me and through me, God, for your Holy Spirit to show up in this place, to show up in your believers, God. May there be a manifest presence of your Holy Spirit here today amongst those who call you King and Lord, God. If there's anyone here amongst you today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, God, may your Holy Spirit convict them of the need for a Savior because of the certainty of the fact that they and us and everyone that ever has been is a sinner, Lord, in need of you, a Savior. We pray in Jesus' name, A to the men. Amen. All right, so we're going to look at the first part of these verses um, today. Last week we went to the end of the verse and looked really hard at the, if, if the Lord wills, uh, that we need to have that mindset, that, that desire. We need to want to make plans and goals and dreams with the mindset and the heart set that I'm doing what God wants me to do. So we're backing up kind of how do we do that then? What do we need to do in order for that to be the case? So we look at that first part of the verses we read today. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This, is, this statement is the heart of everything today that, that, that we're looking at. This is the heart of our goals as a church for 2023. We have 100% goals, goals that we hope 100% of the people participate in. We have 100% goals for 2023. People not close to God cannot accomplish anything 
significance, of significance, much less these goals. So just to remind you of those 100% goals, last week we looked at this. 100% in giving, 100% involved in Sunday a.m. study, 100% read scripture at least four days a week, 100% make prayer our first reaction. It is the foundation of a relationship with God. First-timers at every Sunday of 2023, someone that hasn't been here or hasn't been here in a long time, every single Sunday of this year, share the gospel at least once this year. Those are our 100% goals. If, if, if we have 99 out of 100 do that, then to me it was a failure because the, the hope and the prayer and the goal is that every single person who considers Danville FBC to be their home church will complete these goals during 2023. These, these goals are for people that are close to God. And these goals will help us stay close to God. They go hand in hand with each other. So 100% of us are giving. 100% of us in the word together in a small group. Right now, the, the main time that we do that is Sunday morning, Sunday school. Some people don't like to call it Sunday school because they had bad experiences in school. So just call it a Sunday morning Bible study then. Call it what you want to. I don't care. Just get here and get in the word with other believers. It'll be good for you. Read scripture at least four days a week. We've talked about this ad nauseum with, with the youth. I've showed you numbers before. There are scientific studies done that if you are in the word four days a week or more, it does have an effect on your life. If you will spend time in the word, it will affect you. All the negative things in society, all the negative markers, they go down with people that consistently spend time in God's word. People that say they're Christians that come to church even on a regular basis, but then in the same study say they don't get into the Word at least four times a week, their markers are about the same as the rest of the world, which is the problem with the Christian church. We look and sound and behave and talk and go to and experience everything just like the world, unless God's Word is getting planted deep in our hearts, and we can't have it planted deep in our hearts if we're not in His Word. Make prayer our first reaction not our last resort. First-timers at every Sunday, we're inviting people to church like we used to do. I don't know. We got away from that. We, as in the entire church, got away from that. I like church. Sometimes some of you drive me nuts, and I'm sure I drive you crazy sometimes, but I love being here with together. I really, really do. Before I was even standing here, for a long, long part of my life, I have loved coming to church. It makes a difference. Why wouldn't we invite people to come to church? It just, it just, it's just, it just makes sense. It just makes sense. We should invite people to church. And then share the gospel at least once this year. Talked about last week how 9 out of 10 Christians, 9 out of 10, 90% have never shared their faith one time with anyone like actual, not saying I'm a Christian, that's not sharing your faith. Sharing your faith. Share the gospel. And I heard Steve Gaines say one time, and he's a whole lot better preacher and better pastor than I am. He said, unless you've given an invitation, you hadn't shared the gospel. I always thought, well, I'm going to keep that in the old memory bank. You can say a lot of things, but unless you say, do you want to do this? Do you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior? Do you want to repent of sin? Say, whoo, that sounds scary. You're darn right it's scary. Super scary. It's about the most vulnerable thing you could possibly do. 
which is why we don't do it, because we're scared to be vulnerable. It takes the Holy Spirit's power in us to do that, to be that vulnerable. Because they might say no, and they might say, you're stupid, and they might say, you're crazy, and they might say, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. They might say a lot of things, but they might say yes, and that'll be worth it. So those are our 100% goals this week, this year. We want to try to accomplish this. Listen, what I don't want us to do is print this off and check it off. What I want us to do is pray about it. Pray about it, 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 so that the Holy Spirit of God shows up in this church in a way that it hasn't in a long time, in a way maybe it never has, so that when something happens this year, we can only say, God did that. God did that. We can keep doing this without God. We can do this part right here without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's a lot better when he's here. You won't keep showing up very often if he's not here because it's dead. It's awful when the Holy Spirit's not here. But we can do this without him. But we, I don't think we can do that. I really don't. I really don't think we can do that, 100% of us. I don't think that'll happen without us being on our face asking God to make that happen. I really, really don't. So draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. We want to draw close to God, and we're hoping that these goals help us do that. Help us give us a, a, a focus. Moving forward in those verses, James says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And then like James normally does, and here's how you kind of need to do that. He's a very practical letter writer. Thank you, James. We need that. We need like to the point. I do anyway. Cleanse your hands, sinners. And in, in the Greek, in these, the way he says it in the Greek, there's like no, uh, like, Articles. There's no like you or thee or 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 she or her or anything like that. It's just like bah. it's just so blatantly stated in the Greek. Like you can't you can't wiggle your. There's no loophole in the way he says this in the Greek. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Now this is an outward cleansing. Of course, it it kind of echoes Old Testament feeling, right? Where where the where the, where the Levite priests had to cleanse themselves before they went into the before they went to the temple, right? You got to wash your hands. You got you got all these rituals. You got all this stuff you have to do. Why? In order to be in the presence of God, it's the same concept. It's the same concept. We want to draw near close, draw near to God. You can't draw near to God and be full of sin. God will not associate with sin. He will not associate with someone who doesn't realize that they are a sinner. He he is holy. He is separate. He is completely different. He cannot and will not and should not associate with sin but thankfully he associates with sinners there's a big difference in those two things he does associate with sinners because if he associates with you at all then he associates with sinners and I can promise you if he associates with me at all then he associates with sinners but not someone who doesn't recognize their need to be cleansed of sin but this is outward cleansing outward acts clean your hands what do we do outwardly that's what we're saying here. How do we cleanse our hands before God? We can only be cleansed by one thing, Scripture tells us. What is that one thing? What cleanses? Uh, somebody said it. Say it again. Amen. The blood of Jesus. Okay? We had water washing to approach the Lord, but the only thing that allows you to approach God at all is the righteous shedding of blood. That's the way it always has been. 
And that's the way it was up until Jesus, and now it doesn't have to be that way anymore. No more blood has to be shed for the forgiveness of sins. Only faith placed in the blood that was shed. So we can only be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Blood purifies. That's what God's word says. Jesus shed his blood to cleanse us from all unrighteousness eternally. Okay? So initially, to have your hands cleaned, to be cleansed of your sins, initially it's faith in Christ. Faith in Christ cleanses us from our sins. Okay? But James is not talking to people who do not know Jesus in this letter. James is talking to Christ followers. Now, obviously, some of them were not very good at following Jesus by his letter. But they're all, they're, they're all people who claim to be Christ followers. It's, it's like what I'm doing right now. We're standing up and speaking to the church. People who show up because they say that they're Jesus followers. So he's not, this is not talking about cleanse your hands for salvation. That's assumed has already taken place in where James is talking about here. James is talking to Christ followers. And he's telling them to cleanse their hand to draw near to God. Because even though you know God, and even though God has saved you, even though you have accepted the blood of Jesus Christ, sometimes your relationship can be damaged by how you were living. And that is what James is talking about in this, in this letter to these people. So he says, cleanse your hands, sinners. Even though you've been saved, you're wandering astray. There's a, there's a verses in 1 John that says it even clearer. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Salvation. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. At the initial moment of salvation and continuing in sanctification, becoming more holy, becoming more like Jesus, sanctification, to continue our relationship with God, there must be continual cleansing of sin. Now, that doesn't mean you stump your toe, you say something you shouldn't say, and if you don't say, ask for forgiveness right then and right there, and then you were to die, then you would not be forgiven of that sin, and then you wouldn't go to heaven. Some people think that. I don't know. I don't believe that. I don't think Scripture teaches that, thankfully. But some people do believe that. We won't chase that rabbit, but that is out there. That, but that's not true. That's I lived that way for a long time in my life. Like, I had this overwhelming fear that I wasn't going to forgive myself or ask for forgiveness of, I can't forgive myself, whew, ask for forgiveness of my sins. And if I didn't do it, then I was somehow not, you know, not right with God for salvation's sake. No, you're, you're saved. Either you're saved or you're not. And once you're saved, you're saved. That's all there is to it. Either you, either you trust and hope in Jesus Christ and nothing else in him alone, or you don't. And if you do, then you're saved. But relationships can be damaged. Relationships can be damaged. And that's what James is talking about here. And the most obvious example of relationships being damaged with God is our relationships with each other. And that's one of the clearest things James is trying to get across in this letter. That if you don't draw near to God, if your relationship with God isn't correct, then you could forget having the correct relationships with each other. It will damage your relationships with each other. If we sin and sin against each other and don't do what it takes to reconcile those relationships. Sin wrecks a church. Unconfessed, unrepented sin wrecks a church. It is 
We have to, have to stay there. So um, the cleansing of our hands is confession of sin, an admission of the presence of sin. Do you have sin? Do you act like you don't? Do you have sin? This is rhetorical. Don't say anything. I don't want you to be that person. Do you have sin? You don't have to say anything. Do you act like you don't? Do you show up here every Sunday and pretend like you're not a sinner? Do you come before God to worship him every Sunday as if you're not a sinner? As if you have got it figured all, all figured out. As if you are perfect. Knowing good and well you were just in the car saying things to your kids that you'd be embarrassed to say in front of all of us. But then we come in here and we act like everything is fine. What are we doing? What are we doing, church? Can we just stop that? Our first word is sincere. And that's why God gave me that word two and a half years ago, almost three years ago. To be sincere, honest, transparent, and caring. To be sincere, transparent. Don't act like you're not a sinner. You are. Quick word on confessing and we'll move on. Because everybody loves this subject, but move on. When it comes to confessing sin, Scripture is clear on this. Jesus lives to intercede on our behalf 24-7. Any follower of his. So you don't have to come to me and tell me your sin in order for your sin to be forgiven. And I'm thankful for that because honestly I don't really want to know all your sin. And you don't want to know all mine. I mean we don't want to. You do not have to go through any, I can't talk this morning. You do not have to go through any intermediary to get to God. Jesus is the intermediary. The Son of God is the intermediary to God the Father. You don't have to come to me. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to anyone. Thank God for that. The veil has been torn from top to bottom. The presence of God is available and real and present for anyone that approaches him through faith in Christ who has been cleansed by the blood of Christ. So if there's anyone here that doesn't understand that, understand that this morning. If you're listening out there this morning and you think you need to confess your sin to a man, to a woman, to a person, to a human, you are sorely mistaken. You can go directly to the throne room of heaven into the presence of of God, the things that the people in the Old Testament longed for, longed for. We look at their miracles and go, man, I wish that stuff would happen like right now. And they go, you got the Holy Spirit, bro. You can approach God anytime you need to, anytime you want to. They could do it one day a year. And they tied a rope to the dude that went into the Holy of Holies in case he died. They'd just drag him out because I ain't going in there to get him because I might be the next one to die. We live in an unbelievable time. We, we have the Holy Spirit to cleanse us of sin. And then James keeps going because that's what James does. He hammers and then he hammers and then he hammers a little more. And purify your hearts. You double-minded people, purify your hearts. James is getting to the nitty-gritty. He's getting to the nitty-gritty when he gets to this. Confess your sins. But don't just say words outwardly. James is making sure that we understand. It, it, it's not just, you can't just... Say, oh, Lord, please forgive me, and then just move on. Purify your hearts, double-minded people. Now, this word here, double-minded, is a cool word. This is a cool word in the Greek. Okay, here it is in the Greek. 
Why don't you look at that for just a second? See if you catch it. You say it, Dipsicos. Okay? You say it, Dipsicos. That's the way you would pronounce that, we think. But that's not the way I like to say it. Okay? It's Dipsicos. It, mean, it means double-minded or two-souled, to have two souls. Can you have two souls? No. How many souls you got? One. But you can live like you got two souls. You can live like you're double-minded. How many brains you got inside of you? You got one spirit and presence, one thing that makes you up who you are. But James here says, you dipsychos. Or I like to say it the way I would say it, dipsychos. Dipsychos. Now you say it like that and it rings a little truer in our English now, right? You dipsycho. Anybody want to be a dipsycho? Does not sound cool to me. I don't want to be called that. I don't want to be a dipsycho, right? That's like double down on being crazy is what it sounds like to me, which is kind of what it's trying to say. Because it is crazy to live split between world and Jesus. It is crazy to live between righteousness and unrighteousness. It is nuts to think that anything in this world is going to give you any kind of fulfillment compared to the fulfillment we receive in Christ. Same word is used at the beginning of the letter in James 1.8. Same exact word. When he says, an indecisive man is unstable in all his waves. Indecisive man. Same word. Dipsychos. Okay? Or dipsychos if you want to say it properly. But don't because it's a lot cooler to say dipsychos. Here in this part of James is the beginning. Many of us have read these verses and probably hung on them at some point in our life. But it's where James is talking about asking for wisdom for enduring trials. And it says you have not because you ask not. Okay? It doesn't mean you can ask for anything you want and you get it. It means when you're in trials and you ask for wisdom to know how to handle that trial properly and receive and do and live through that trial properly, that is an answer that God will, that is a prayer that God will answer every time when you ask for wisdom to be able to endure trials. But if you, you have to ask in faith without doubting, James says, leading up to this verse. The doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. A person that is a dipsycho is left and right and left and right. They're this way and they're that way. They're hot and they're cold. They're going for it. They're not going for it. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It sounds kind of crazy. It says, don't expect anything from the Lord if you ask doubting. If you ask for wisdom in, in trials, but you're doubting. You don't actually think God will deliver. You're unstable. You are unstable in your ways. You're unstable with your dipsychos having self. <laughs> this sounds kind of mean. Confession and forgiveness are necessary for staying close to God. Confession and Him forgiving us is necessary for staying close to God. So He says, "Purify your hearts, you double-minded people." Now, the readers of James's letter would have heard this letter read in totality when it was read to them the first time. And they, they, would, they, would, they were showing jealousy. These are all in the letter. Jealousy and selfishness, just like unbelievers, James says in 3.15. They were not acting on what they hear and see to do, James says in verses chapter 1, 19 through 2.26. You here's what you ought to do, and here's what you ought to hear, and, and you ought to act on what you hear, and you ought to do what you're supposed to do, what you're not. They had a double tongue of blessing and cursing. In chapter 3, 9 through 10. And here, 
In this section, they're having violent arguments with each other. They're at war with each other. In, in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. James is saying, you are too sold. You're too sold claiming to follow Christ and acting this way. You're double-minded. You're dipsychos. You need to confess and ask for forgiveness from others. There, need, there needs to be an outward and an inward change in you. You've drifted, James is telling his, the readers of his letter. You've drifted. You aren't close to God. Come back. Come back. Come back. In other words, repent. That's what that word means. Repent. Repentance is changing our minds, our thoughts, our attitudes, and thus changing our actions. Repentance is turning of the whole self away from sin, away from evil, away from self, away from the world, and in faith turning to God. Repentance is essential to drawing close to God. James is telling them throughout this whole letter, repent, you double-minded sinners. Repent, you two sold one foot in the world, one toe in the kingdom, having your cake and eating it too, tossed with the waves to and fro, no anchor having, weak, crumbling in the storm, wimpy, half-Jesus following, double-tongued, green-eyed, jealous bunch of windbag, arguing, mean-spirited sinners. Repent, James is saying, to the church. Not to unbelievers. When we truly repent of our sins, we view our sins for what they truly are and what they truly do. What do they, what do, they do? They sent Jesus to the cross. They caused death and destruction. They hurt you and everyone you love the most, the most, When we truly repent, we see sin for what it really is and what it really causes. It's not a mistake. It's sin. It's not something to play with. It's sin. You and I are so good at convincing ourselves it's okay. It's not that big a deal. Well, nobody's perfect, we say. You know what I've never heard that used? When someone's hurt someone you love. When someone's manipulated or lied to or cheated or stolen from you or someone you love, I've never heard that person in that moment go, well, you know, it's okay. Nobody's perfect. No. You want justice. And you wanted it five minutes ago. So James goes on, as James tends to do. When you repent properly, you see sin for what it causes, and it causes us to be miserable and mourn and weep. The word there for be miserable, some of yours probably says be afflicted, be wretched. That's a good English word. The word there in the Greek is teleoparejo, used one time right here in this letter, only time it's used. And it means to be wretched, to, that is Realize one's own misery, be afflicted, to grieve, to lament, to lament. Only time it's used is right here in Scripture in James 4 now. But then to make sure, 
as James tends to do, that you don't miss the point. He uses another word, practically the same word in, in meaning, but a different word. Pantheo. Now, he conjugates it to you, but the root word is pantheo. And it means to mourn, to grieve. So be miserable and mourn, or be mourn and mourn, or grieve and grieve, right? Or lament and lament. He's making sure we understand that sin should bother us. It should bother us. It's a dangerous place when we get to a point where sin doesn't bother us. Mourn and mourn and weep. This, word's used, this word here for mourn is used often in Scripture. Blessed are those who mourn. Pentheho, same word right there. I mean, that's in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm, excuse me. Luke 6, 25. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing, for you will mourn. Same word. And weep. That's Jesus directly talking to sinners. Recognize and repent. And a true recognition and a true repentance will cause a deep sorrow in us, which is maybe why we don't do it, because we're scared of sorrow. And we're scared of grief. I just want to be happy, 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 happy. And in that deep sorrow, in that deep sorrow, Jesus promises that you'll be blessed. Blessed are those who mourn now because they shall be comforted eternally. Those who wait too late to repent and mourn over their sin, they will not be comforted. They will weep and wail in a place of gnashing of teeth. Same word is used in 2 Corinthians. Paul uses it in chapter 12 in 2 Corinthians. He says this, I fear that when I come, my God will again humiliate me in your presence and I will grieve, pantheho, for many who sinned before and have not repented. Now he's talking to the Corinthians, so it's all about improper sexual behavior. Moral impurity, sexual immorality, and promiscuity that they practiced. It's like the whole overarching theme for the Corinthians. And, and people had problems. Big problems. Huh. At least we're not the Corinthians, right? <laughs> Same word used here. Sins and sinning should be confessed. Sins against you should be forgiven. Sins should be confessed and repented of. A sin should be taken seriously by a humble-hearted follower of Christ. We should take our sin seriously. It says it in another way here. Your laughter must change to mourning and your joy to sorrow. Je Jesus is not against laughter and joy. We know that. We know that. There's many a times where, where it, Scripture talks about the joy that comes with following Christ, right? But what it's talking about here is he's against laughter and joy when it's in arrogance towards sin. I mean, this whole section is about arrogance. When we approach sin flippantly, when we approach sin arrogantly, like we're okay because we're doing this, we're okay, we're fine. And that happens because we have enough and we got enough. And we, we have all this stuff, and we convince ourselves, you know, I don't really need God. Until life goes, bam! Yeah, I do. Never mind. Just kidding. I need God. That's what he's talking Laughter. Everything's fine. We'll go here for a little while, and we'll make a profit, he says in the next couple of verses. Everything's going to be great. We're, live it up. Life's fun. 
in sin. No, it's not. It's not. Temporarily, it always overpromises and underdelivers every single time. Can I get an amen on that? Sin always overpromises and under underdelivers. Always. And then James says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Tying it all together. All of it comes down to humility. That's what this whole thing comes down to. Is God God or are you God? Is God God or are you God? Is Jesus Savior or do you live like you don't need a Savior? Is Jesus the Savior of the world or do you live like you don't need a Savior? Are, are, are you ready to receive forgiveness from God as a humble servant? Or do you live and act and believe you're good enough and don't need his forgiveness? Tyndale says it like this in his commentary. If we look at ourselves from our own perspective, we will invariably either be flattering or hopelessly pessimistic. When we take honest looks at ourselves, we'll either flatter ourselves, it's okay, nobody's perfect, or there's no hope, hopelessly pessimistic about ourselves. When we respond with insight provided by the Holy Spirit, we see our unworthiness, but we also sense God's ability to forgive us and receive us. Those who truly humble themselves before the Lord will experience his exaltation, his lifting up, his elevation. The lifting up involves the lifting up of morals, of spiritual power to live this life. And it may also provide hopeful encouragement about our glorious future in heaven. Why are those who are blessed who mourn now? Because they know they have eternity. If we don't take sin seriously, we are either not saved or we are so backslidden from what it is to follow Jesus Christ that we're living on dangerous ground. where that came from Isaiah says it this way and then we'll be done same, same concept Isaiah chapter 1 wash yourselves cleanse yourselves remove your evil deeds from my sight stop doing evil learn to do what is good seek justice correct the oppressor defend the rights of the fatherless plead the widow's cause giving examples of what doing good in God's name looks like. That's what Isaiah says about it. So we go back to our more goals, right? At least one family member becomes a foster parent in this church this year. Go back to Isaiah. Correct the oppressor, defend the rights of the fatherless. Okay, that's scriptural. First responders and educators know we love them. The elderly, the forgotten in our world. No, we love them. To learn, know, and love our community so that the diversity of our congregation grows to grow in fellowship with each other. In order to do any of this, we have to first draw near to God. We can't draw near to God unless we are honest and humble about our need to confess our sin and to repent of our sin and that we don't have it all figured out and that we're not anywhere near a good Christian, well, what that stereotypically means. 
which is someone who pretends like they're perfect, has their nose up in the air, and looks down upon the world. That's the kind of people that Jesus couldn't stand when he was walking this earth. The people that walked around like they had it all figured out. And if you just be as good at me at this following Jesus thing, then the world would be a good place. Jesus couldn't stand those people. But the people that knew they needed him, they're blessed. You say it in one sentence. I pray that we draw close to God. And by we, I mean we, not just you. I mean me. Trust me, I'm right in the middle of all this. I'm just as prone to sin and a simple behavior and an uppity attitude as anybody else walking this planet. I pray we draw close to God so that we can stop doing evil and learn to do what is good. So that we can effectively do the Lord's will so he can effectively do his will in us and through us. Draw close to God so that we know what the Lord's will is. And if he wills, we are accomplishing it. That's my prayer with our goals for 23 and forever as far as that goes. I'm going to pray for us and we'll finish in song. Whatever business you need to do with the Lord, altar's open. Come pray, sing, reflect. Come down and announce that you want to follow Jesus for the first time in your life. Whatever it may be. You want to join the church, whatever it may be. Come down during this time. We'll handle that business. But we're going to finish in song. And then hopefully, turn back to God and look to accomplish the things he's setting before us. Father, we come to you and we thank you and we love you for your grace and your mercy and your unending forgiveness, God. May May we not, Lord, don't let us take your forgiveness for granted. God, don't let us get flippant towards sin. God, our sin cost your son his life. Our sin made you have to pour your wrath out on your son so you wouldn't have to pour it out on us, God. It's not okay. Even though we convince ourselves that it is. It's not, God. Don't, God, break our hearts so that we do not have that kind of mentality. Lord, lead us by your Holy Spirit to repent of what, you're, what is in our lives that is causing us to be far from you. That is disrupting fellowship within this church. That is direct, disrupting fellowship with other believers outside of this church. God, cause us to want to have close fellowship with you. Lord, and may that bleed over into the, our fellowship with each other in a way that manifests in a way that we have never experienced that type of fellowship before, God. Wh whatever that is, it's scary to even think about what that might be, Lord. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a holy God. But may we desire that today, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.